Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerklein. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. Hey, welcome, Daniel. Good to see you, man. Likewise. Good to be seen by you. Oh, like gotta, seen, like existentially seen. All the like above. With my third eye. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, huh? I, I, I also that, see this fucking hairline of mine that's been in creation for the last few years. I'm not gonna lie. I I helped my hairline out with some uh, man-made products. Really? Some chemicals. What is, Hell yeah, I do. What do you mean? What do you do? Put a little bit of the uh, supplemental growth situation that you can buy at Costco. And it's like a, it's a medicine, Rogaine. That's what they used to call it. Does it work? Fuck yeah, it does. Watch your hair grow back. Get the hell out. Not kidding. Whoa, I didn't know that. I always thought that was snake oil. All of the controlled substance. I did too. And then I just started reading reviews. And I was like, all these dudes before and after pictures. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try it. You know, uh, a nice healthful balance between embracing the tools at hand to yeah. make to to make it make your hair and body better. Uh, I'm fine with that, and also like embracing, you know, Bruce Willis style. Oh you know, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You know, owning I, yourself. Totally. That, I was gonna. I mean, that's my plan. Like, if it doesn't work, if it stops working or just falls out, like I'm going Bruce Willis. Andre, <laughs> Wait, you mean you mean you're gonna come home? Um, <laughs> you know what i'm talking about it's one uh, of my favorite little things is that uh <laughs> wait a second is that um yeah uh die hard no it's uh charles barkley uh charles uh, barkley the basketball player says when a man decide makes the decision to shave his head because he's going too bald he calls it coming home <laughs> <laughs> love that because he's always giving lebron and these other guys shit for like trying to wear a headband to cover it and do it he's like just come home just come home (laughs) it's probably its own rite of passage right like just like realizing like you're going you're losing your hair and you're just like i'm gonna i have to own this i mean my wife's not complained no one no one has complained about my hair except the inner little boy in me i seriously is afraid of beautiful hair well i mean you know, I'm grateful for it. And I, my dad was bald by the time he was 20. So I thought I would be too. And, uh, but my mother's father had like a full head of hair till the day he died I'm somewhere in between. So it's fine. Well, well, I had a little uh, moment, a tough moment the other day. I was out at a pub with a friend and I, I said, Hey, what do you think of my hair? I don't know why I said that. I don't Whoa, ever That's ask a vulnerable that. question. <laughs> well, not, it wasn't a hairline yeah. thing. I liked my hair. I thought it looked yeah. cool you know, cause I've been growing the top out quite a bit. Yeah. And he's like, eh. you know, he what does one of those. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> he goes, it's a little long on top. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, it looks like a comb over. And he gave me a look like, yeah, exactly. And I was not ready for that. 
So I was like, you're fucking high, man. That's no big deal. He just doesn't have very good, uh, you know, observational skills. So there's the other guy we were hanging out with. Yeah. I asked him the same question and he totally agreed. And I was like, oh my God, (laughs) I need to reassess my hair situation. Hey, uh, Steve is here. Steve Barnes is here. He's a prolific writer, screenwriter, and life coach. And has he come home? I I can't remember what he looks like. I think he's definitely, (laughs) definitely come home. All right, let's, let's welcome him. Ready to go, Ron? Yeah, go for it. Stephen Barnes, you are a New York Times bestselling novelist and screenwriter, winner of the Endeavor and NAACP Image Awards, as well as a nominee for both Hugo and Nebula Awards. You've written over three million words of fiction, published in seven languages, and were the writer for the Emmy-winning A Stitch in Time episode of The Outer Limits. You are also the creator of the Life Writing Writing Course, which you have taught nationwide. You have more than 30 years of experience as a life coach, teacher, and practitioner of the self-development arts, including hypnosis, yoga, and martial arts, in which you hold three black belts. This training has afforded you a unique understanding of the relationship between myth, energy, and consciousness, which you have shared with thousands of students and clients since 1980. Your newest course is The Warrior's Journey, Life Mastery for Modern Men, a program that helps people enhance themselves emotionally, physically, and professionally. Welcome, Stephen Barnes. Good to see you. Hey there. It's good to be seen, man. Just, uh, you know, in, in this time and place in the world, it's I don't take a single day of life for granted. Yeah, yeah no kidding. Yeah, That's well right. said. Man, I feel the same way. That's it's so right. easy to. It's like resting state is just take for granted. And then, and well, then it really like, is, so that we can move <laughs> on to the next thing. Once upon a time, your greatest accomplishment was walking. Now, <laughs> you know, you're not going to say, hey, I'm walking, you know, because you know, point. Like you do, you know, and, yeah. and so it's what's really sad is working with a client who said, I've never succeeded in anything. And this is the person and they have a driver's license. They have a job. They, you know, they're, they're married. They can walk and talk and all those things were things that once upon a time they couldn't do. But as soon as they do mm. it, they act as if it's nothing. Mm. And so they don't live in the miracle that is their life. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good point. I was recently thinking quite a bit, actually, about why are we wired to take things for granted, you know, and you know, mm. there's a, a biological reason that's created and, and that must you be it. Right? Be, you can't walk around in a, in a constant state of astonishment. You know, mm. if you do that, it requires a very special sort of person to, to do that. Uh, and uh, otherwise you just, you might as well just be in a monastery someplace or in a cave someplace, you know, because you're going to be so astonished by life that, you know, that the, a leopard's going to jump on you. You know, or you're going to you're going to miss that bus that hits you because you're looking. Oh, my God, there's a clover growing in the middle of the street. That's so astonishing. And bang, you're dead. So it, it, the the urge to keep our eyes on what is astonishing and revelatory and transformative and evolutionary life has to be balanced by your survival drives. Yeah, that's great. That's great. But, but it still seems like these days it's a very valuable to go against that instinct and it it seems to take work but the reward is a feeling of gratitude for things that maybe you would normally and naturally because of what you just said take for granted i just find it interesting that we have to work for that well if you don't have to work for it if what you want is common results or let's say you don't have to do anything extraordinary if common sense and doing what other people says is get you know if you take a look at the people who follow the, the common path and you say, I want a life like that, then follow the common path. If you look, you say, I want something more than that, then you have to swim against the current. You have to, you know? So there are certain things where I don't do it differently. I don't fix my car differently than other people. I don't drive differently than other people. 
You know, there are many, many things. There's, I'm perfectly happy with the common wisdom. But if I want an extraordinary life in terms of, say, results in martial arts or my physical body or in my writing career or in my relationship, and those are the three major areas of my life, the, the physical, as evidenced by things like yoga and martial arts, uh, the, the mental, as evidenced by my writing career, and my emotional is evidenced in my commitment to my family, you know, and in being married to my soulmate, things like that. If you to do all three of those things, that is very uncommon. That is not the way most people are programmed. So I literally could not operate according to the common rules and get extraordinary results. You can't do it. At the beginning of those of, of deciding to be uncommon in our life or in your life, it requires a tremendous amount of like energy to break free from the gravitational pull of oh god yes communality yeah. right yeah but remember it's it's critical i wasn't trying to be uncommon i was trying to be myself and the yeah. things I, that i wanted to do yeah. i was being told by the world we're not common we're uncommon yeah it wasn't it wasn't if i if all i wanted to do was be different from mom and dad that's the child that's the adolescent instinct you know, to, to be right. different then. But the mature, a mature, awake, aware adult human being is simply following the question, who am I? You know, constantly, who am I? Who mm -hmm. am I? And if you do that and you follow that, then you will be uncommon. But, you know, so it's like you, you become the thing without trying to be the thing. You know, adolescence will just reject, you know, the, the, the beat generations where they just reject the status quo. I'm not going to do that. There's plenty about the status quo I like just fine. But there are many things that I want that people told me I could not have. And yes, it requires energy. And energy is one of the, one of the most important things that you need in life. For instance, um, the pattern of uh, behavioral modification. Uh, one way of looking at behavioral modification is that you identify the pattern that you want to change, identify what you want to change the pattern to, raise your energy level, Try the new pattern, fail successfully, and start the process over again. So mm -hmm. what people don't do is they notice what they don't like, but they don't ask themselves, well, what do I want? They don't raise their energy level. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, the reason you can't teach an old dog new tricks is because the old dog is tired. You need energy, you know, and then they they interpret failure as a negative thing rather than just I'm, you know, I'm I'm bat beeping the environment. You know, the, what do I? Yeah. How do I know what the world is? You know, the only way you know how far you can go is by going too far. I've got to fail. If I'm not failing, I'm not trying. Mm -hmm. You know, Steve, yeah. a couple of days ago, I, I've been working on this like, potential uh, idea, sensing an idea around painting. I, this is my primary creative form right now is painting. Cool. And I had like for a couple of years, I had this idea that had it involved my child self and the way they would see the world and involved what I, my more adult self and, and the skill sets of both of those. So long story short, I'm batting this idea around subconsciously, consciously, but not really putting a lot of paint, a lot of paint to, to canvas on it. I was working on other projects. Well, about four days ago, it hit me. I had the idea in my bed when in my morning time where I just kind of exist in that dreamy area and it's creative yeah. time. It's a time I have a little more access to my emotions, dot, dot, dot. And the idea hit, an idea hit that I was pretty sure was going to be something that I could do a series of 10 to 20 paintings on and spend a year on. And so uh, 
but I had this, I have a show opening uh, in a couple of days and I have had to finish a, uh, this other series. Well, I finished the other series about two days early, unbelievably. And I had a painting session yesterday. A friend was coming over and I was thought I was just going to do logistic stuff, throw some more varnishes on, just kind of like batten down the hatches on this show. And instead, I just was like, fuck this, man. Let's get some failures out of the way. Mm. And I just grabbed a piece of a canvas. I stuck it up and I pitched in on this idea. Good that put me like a week ahead of schedule. Mm. And But it's funny. It's like more than a week ahead of schedule. It, it took me a timeless into a timeless place that was brought everything right now you know and i just Wait, what you let me let me, let me, let me get, you, get you to pause Please. what you need to do is you need to journal about what happened there and you need to meditate about it. you need to ask yourself what was it that led to the breakthrough that gave you that now i i already get the feeling you have some very good ideas about that yeah but what you want to do is you want to get as clear as possible and then oh. duplicate that it's like you deliberately do that. Oh, I need That's a good call. I need five days mm. of just allowing it to percolate while I do other yeah. stuff. It's really great when I have somebody to come over, you know, because now I want yeah. to show off for them. That was yeah. huge. Right. You know, that was so, huge. So you 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 look at that. What you're looking for is what is your recipe for mastery? Yeah, and it's going to be a little different for everybody. You know, it's an interesting point about that. Is I think we when we. I love some points that you said earlier. One of those things was it's not that you wanted to be extraordinary, it's that you wanted to be yourself. Yeah. You wanted to, to, to exercise your greatest potential. Yes. And that might be extraordinary for some folks or what the, the you know broader culture considers extraordinary. Right. But the other thing that you're showing right now is that sometimes, actually often those steps are really, really practical. Like it really is a breaking down of yeah. here are the elements that in reflection, meditation, writing, I see I need in order to create um, the space and the ingredients to exercise in to then bring my potential from wherever it is up into the next level or that's right. You, wanna, yeah. you look at it consciously and you mm -hmm. experiment with it consciously and you test it consciously. But yeah. once you get it, just like once you figure out how to walk, you forget the steps that got you there yeah, yeah. unless you get hit by a bus and you have to go back through those steps in order to learn how to walk again. Okay. So that's the thing that you, you want to move stuff from conscious comp from unconscious incompetence. You don't even know that bicycles exist to mm -hmm. conscious competence where you can see that other people ride bicycles, but you don't know how to do it to conscious competence where you can do it as long as you focus all your attention on it to unconscious competence. Look, mom, no hands. And that process, you have done it thousands of times with every skill you've got. Mm -hmm. So you just, we, but we, we tend to forget that the same way that it said that women don't remember the pain of childbirth for yeah. some, you know, or else they, you know, they castrate their husbands. Um, <laughs> they, that we don't remember the steps that we went yeah. through to have the skills that we now take for granted. So if you consciously break it down, you then get to look at masters in other arenas and you say, well, you know, over here in, in martial arts, how do they find mastery there? Over here in cooking, how do they find mastery there? Over here in, you know, in, in this arena, in that arena, dancing, music, driving, whatever. And you will start finding that they're all doing the same things. When you start finding the pattern underneath the pattern, then it, it ties into what Musashi Miyamoto, greatest warrior in Japanese history, said, no one thing, no 10,000 things. When you have, or Jerry Pornell, who was my writing, one of my writing mentors, once you've learned to master anything, 
you have learned how to master everything else. Mm. So, so you look for the rules under the rules. What are the principles? And if you will do that, then you can move back and forth between the, the adult self, the, the conscious mind that has to break things down and calculate, and then the child self, the artist self, the, just the flow self. We are simply having fun with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not thinking about it because you got that. You know, it's like, you know, I, it, it, as long as I'm operating in, in a zone where I can just flow, I don't calculate. And, you know, I really appreciate a lot of what you're saying. And I also like that you're asking a challenge in me and I assume students and, and clients, you know, to get specific. And I love that the, the uh, um, one of the reasons we do, you were asking what we do with this podcast. And one of the things we do uh, is around expressing the specific ways that some of these principles and techniques and ideas express themselves through our, our, our lives, you know? And so you just asked about one of those, like what created that me having a success, a significant success for me, that's a significant success. And I'm looking back at some of those things and they're, they're, it's like things that have happened over a two-year process, if not more, yeah. around painting and building infrastructure to support painting for me specifically. Not, you know, because I have my own creative qualms and blocks and thresholds, and they all need help to get through, you know, and they might be different than obviously than yours or someone else's. And I just feel like that is so important, like having having my stuff at hand, no thoughts about it, didn't have to run to a studio to go do it. It was right there. That was huge for that. And what you're going to want to do is to study other masters, Hmm. study masters in different fields and see what are they doing that is different and how is it the same? Hmm. In other words, they're all, everybody's doing the same thing in one sense that it's like you can boil all human motivations down to an attempt to move away from pain and toward pleasure. There is nothing you have ever done in your life. It was not a matter of moving away from pain or toward pleasure. And I, you know, just, it works for planaria. It, it works for monkeys. It works for human beings. It works for the smartest human being that's ever been born. You can, you can see it. So on the one hand, it, you know, our minds work in two basic ways. One is to find the similarities. The other is to find the differences. And each of them is, is useful in its context. So use both sides of your brain in that sense. You know, what is exactly the same about me and, and yo-yo ma you know and you know the greatest master of whatever discipline you find attractive to you you know pablo picasso whatever it is that whoever it is that you admire look at their biography until you can find the same principles but then also look at what is he doing that's different Mm -hmm. and if you do that then i think you have a better chance of kind of absorbing the Tao of 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 your path and then you start seeing that there is just the path you know there is just you know, there is one thing that we're all doing as human beings in infinite variety. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's, you'll be constantly astonished by life and, and never bored because everybody you meet is doing the same thing in a different way. What's an area in your life, Steve, where you um, are challenged and need to engage these principles and your own teachings? Um, I want to up my game in terms of um, being a better husband, a better father. Mm. I want to up my game in terms of, of being a better martial artist, but more teacher than my time for competing is past. You know, I got what I was looking for. And so now it's like, how do I express what I found it, such that others can 
can walk that path more directly and smoothly. Other people don't have to work as hard as I did to get the same results I got. But most importantly and measurably, it would be in my writing, um, mm-hmm. you know, where I've accomplished, you know, 30 books and this and that. Um, and I, I lost my momentum in Hollywood because I had to make a choice between working in Hollywood and being a father. Mm-hmm. Um, when my first marriage went the way of the dodo and then my my second wife needed to go to Atlanta because her mother was was dying of cancer. I had to walk away from my career, from my family, and that caused a lot of pain. And now I'm starting to work my way back in, which in some ways I wasn't supposed to be able to do because I was supposed to be too old to do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are ways in which what I was trying to do was relatively unique due to my ethnicity. Um, And I've, I've got my, my, I've got my, my, hands back on the the bottom rung of that ladder and i've scrambled up a few more rungs and i could make a very good living writing episodes of somebody else's show Hmm. but what i want to do is the thing that i haven't done that one of the ways that i motivate myself is asking myself what's new about this you know what have i not done and so the two things that I have not done in that arena, I have never created my own television series and I haven't had a theatrical motion picture. Mm-hmm. So either of those two things are new. So the, the little kid inside me is kind of saying, yeah, that sounds like fun. And mm-hmm. there's my energy. There's the emotional mm-hmm. intensity. If I then back that up with the physical energy that I spend time developing with diet, exercise and proper rest, um, then I've got the emotional impulse, I've got the physical vibrancy for it, and those two things can then be led by a mind that I'm constantly problem solving, you know, saying, well, what's necessary to do this? How do I model this? You know, how do I associate with people who, who've accomplished this? Mm-hmm. And I'm moving, I'm, you know, I'm doing everything that I know how to do there, and I have the best team around me that I've ever had. Hmm. Um, is when you say team when you say team are they are they supporting all those other physical emotional things that you described or is it specifically writing they're different they're different people for different things i mean in other words it's uh you know my wife and i work out together um we have we're building a family but we also write together you know and she in and she is an extraordinary writer with some skills that i don't have just like i have some skills that she doesn't have although harlan ellison Thinks that she thought he was she was a better writer than me, and you know he, he might be right. You know, I, I hate to say that, but you know, you have sometimes you just have to bend over and take it. Um, but so there's a lot to to be learned there. But I have specific mentors and assistants in the business aspect of writing and in the the creative aspect of it, and then I have advisors. I don't have as many advisors as once I did in terms of my physical, but I, I can, I've got a lot of things that I learned from them that I have yet to apply in my life. So I've, I've got some road left. Um, and if I manage to integrate all those things, my guess is that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. If I need hmm. some additional help, it's, it's there. There are people who I could go to who are far beyond me in terms of, of those things and given sufficient motivation, I, I could take care of that. But it's more like, you know, am I in the center of a, uh, you know, of a resource cloud that will get me 
from where I'm going to where I want to go. If I, you know, if, if I look at that behavioral modification thing, that could be seen as a path to move between one level of your life and another level of your life. You know, that that requires breaking old patterns. You know, the old patterns that you've got will get you so far. And then if you want to go further, if you want to change direction, you're going to need to add something. You know, objects in motion tend to remain in motion until acted upon by an outside force. Same thing is true emotionally and spiritually. Yeah, I found that. So a little context with where Ron and I are in in our own journeys is we seem to be experiencing some sort of growth spurt or some sort of been tending the garden for a long time. And now things are starting to fucking grow, you know, and it's it's really, really satisfying because okay, we're not, we haven't been at this for 40 years, you know, but, you know, we're not at, at this self-development stage of a year or two either, you know, and there's something about having 10, 15, 20 years in that realm of, of at least as good a quality of experience um, that we have been an intention that we've been putting in and execution and practice where it's just like starting to bear fruit and, <laughs> It's so satisfying and so it makes me so grateful. And now it feels like there's potential positive feedback loops that can that can yeah. um, occur because now we're like, oh, it works, you know, and then life's going to whop us a couple of times. You know, we get that. But I was just curious kind of where you are in your path. And if you could speak a little bit to do you feel like there's been sort of cycles in this and where are you in that? If well, so- yeah, there are cycles, but they're not circles or spirals. You're yeah. always going either up or down. Wow. You know, yeah. Seriously, you know, and there's there's no way around that. You can't stay. You know, you can't step in the same piece of water twice. No circle ends exactly where it really began. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to look at it sideways. Viewed from the top, it's a circle. Viewed sideways, it's a spiral. Um, in terms of family things, um, working through some tough stuff with my wife, who I absolutely adore. We, you know, if you know 100% that you love each other and that you're not looking for a side door or a back door or an escape hatch, then it's just, let's work through this stuff. You know, so it's, 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 how do we keep the passion? How do we keep the friendship? How do we keep the, the love and the fun? You know, with my son, you know, we're homeschooling him right now. He's in his senior year of high school. This is an opportunity to give him principles of behavior that will carry him the rest of his life. He's dealing with a lot of social anxiety and some, you know, some stuff on, on some levels, which is understandable due to COVID. So I've got to teach him a healthier, healthier ways to deal with fear. Um, and that's a lot of that's going to be the physical, the, the physical body is, is the most powerful tool for dealing with fear. Once you understand how to use it. Um, in terms of martial arts and so forth, you know, I think that to a certain degree, that's just, you know, aging is an interesting phenomenon for an athlete. You know, it's like every day, it's like building an ice sculpture in the desert. You know, every day you got a little less ice, but if you keep improving your skill of carving, you can still make something beautiful out of it. And then eventually, of course, the sands drink us all. Um, and, and with my writing, um, there are certain things, you know, if I wanted to write a book, I can write a book. If I want to write a short story, I can sell a short story anytime I want to. I want something more than that. And I have to make the assumption, I find it easiest and most effective to assume that if I haven't accomplished something, it's because I'm not good enough yet. But I have to accompany that with the belief that I can get good enough. So I have to love myself enough to have faith in myself to be able to look at an area of inequity or not, not inequity, but incapacity 
and say, I'm not good enough yet. It's not that the world isn't noticing me or that the world is unfair to me or whatever. It's that I suck. Um, okay, pa pause but, right there because you, um, you've been talking about some practical elements of stretching one's ability into yeah. the arena of performance, of, of growing, of growth, of uh, reaching certain goals. Yeah. which can sound, um, and I don't think you were too much, but it, it, those kinds of languages can sound like you need more effort and discipline, right? You need um, I don't need more effort. I, oh, I, oh, I know. Discipline. Yeah, you, then, but then you jump to a word or a phrase that says, you said um, you're, you were giving parameters to loving yourself. Yes. Right? And that's where I want to kind of deep dive on right there. Please. Because... When I speak to men, I, I help men uh, similarly to you. Uh, my background was as a, you know, I went to school to be a Christian minister and just kind of went through out of that world into helping dudes one-on-one. -on -one. And my wife and I own a business together where we help uh, folks. And uh, a lot of times when I bring up the concept of loving oneself, it, it's, it's like I get a blank stare right. from men hearing this kind of thing. Right. And I, and I know that Daniel has been my witness in this, like there's been a path where I have been in loving the scared part of me, the young stuck part of me that didn't think he was good enough, that, that had a lot of judgment and criticism about himself. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. So that part of you sought whose approval in order to get love? And know he was on the path. Whose approval did he seek? Yeah, my religious, the religious side of my family and culture that I grew up in. Okay, so it would be the adults in your family, some of the adults in your family. Yeah. Okay, so the issue now is that you are now an adult. There aren't, you know, you're, you, it would be, it would be not optimal for you to still be going to adults for approval. What that little boy inside you, what the, the, what shamanically might be referred to as your needy, wounded, abandoned child needs the father part of your personality to love him yeah protect him um and if you can protect that little child so that he is safe and love that little child so he feels connected directly to the divine and it understands mm -hmm. that that he is as precious as a star that there is nothing in the universe that is better than him on the other hand he's not better than anything else in the universe either yeah that, that it's that he is and he is deserving and he is lovable and loving you the child part of us isn't supposed to do the work the child part of us is supposed to play as much as possible um and especially once you become an adult because the process of maturation you both play and you have to learn how to interact with the adult world to do to work hard at things you don't care about that's yeah. probably yeah. the most important <laughs> thing about school is it teaches you to work hard and yeah. shit you don't care about okay yeah. uh, which is going to be necessary when you first go out in the world start having jobs while you're figuring out how to do the thing that you love doing and get paid for it you know <laughs> it doesn't, oh, life doesn't get right. any better than that but <laughs> as an adult the child part of you the child's job is to play the adult's job is to keep the child safe hmm. and also to apply ruthless compassion there are times when we simply have to do things that we don't want to do mm -hmm. and if they are in alignment with our deep values and an ultimate dreams then there are times when we have to discipline that child and say yes it would be fun to be watching mystery science theater but it is time to work now 
yeah. you know, switch you over here and we're going to work on writing, let's say. Well, I don't have any ideas today. I don't want to write. Write anyway. Yeah. Every day you're going to write. And I, I have this, what I call the atomic theory of, of accomplishment, where in the sense of an atom being the smallest possible unit, you break the thing that you're doing down into the smallest unit. Mm-hmm. And I would say, okay, every day I have to write at least one sentence. It doesn't have to be five pages, a thousand yeah, yeah. words. No, at least one sentence. And because there is no rational reason not to do one sentence, no matter how busy you are that day, no matter how few ideas you have, no matter how tired you have. If you can't write one sentence, it has nothing to do with any practical constraints. You are looking directly at the demons that have stopped you from doing everything else. That say, well, I can't do five pages. We're not asking you to do five pages. We're asking you to do one sentence. So if you're supposed to do one sentence every day for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, what stopped you? Because you know damn well you didn't do it. So you you look at the calendar and you say, well, I didn't do it today because I was tired, because I got distracted, because my friends called me. Ah, You are looking at what it is that has stopped you from being the best you can do. You have used all these things here to stop yourself. Then you get to ask yourself, well, why did you stop yourself? Because you defined yourself as being a particular kind of person. Mm-hmm. Your goals did not match your self-image. And your ego thinks it is you. And anything you do that will cause an ego death, that will cause you to grow too far too fast, it won't just change your friendships and relationships. Because in a dysfunctional relationship, first person who speaks the truth ends the relationship. But you also are experiencing a small death. You have to be a warrior in your own life. You have to be ruthless. You have to keep cutting away the cocoon that you're in, or you'll never be a butterfly. You have to realize that the armor you wore has become a trap. Yeah. The fortress you built has become a prison. You can't, you have to keep doing that so you can continue to expose yourself to life in a raw way. Otherwise, you don't know what the world is. You're operating on your illusions of what the world is, what your your projections, your hopes and dreams and fears about what the world is, rather than what the world really is. In the same way that, you know, you were three years old, you got bit by a, a, a puppy, and now you're afraid of dogs, even though you are now, the puppy was bigger than you when you were that age, but now you're bigger than the puppies. Why are you still afraid? Um, there's so much this is what we do there's so much to this it's it's unbelievable almost like i i'm just like letting this wash over me and so many things are coming up uh successes failures and a couple of things um one is there's this book um you're familiar i'm sure with jungian psychology and um there's this jungian psychologist these days or relatively recently named robert a johnson or yeah robert a johnson and he wrote a book called inner work and I was just reviewing my notes uh, from the last time we spoke. And one of the things that you said is, is sit down, sit your inner child down and tell them that I will do anything to help you, you know, right. um, sit them down and, and help them know and make them believe that you'll do anything. You will die for them. You know, that's and right. I really liked, I remembered you saying that I've thought about that many times. And then it combined with at the, that time I was reading this book, inner work, and he does, he is a pro- proponent of something called that he calls active imagination, which is sitting down um, and writing or having inner dialogue or drawing some sort of thing that engages your imagination um, in a dialogue 
with some other part of your psyche. And I feel like a great way place to start with that is just with your like quote inner child. Like it's very, everybody Man. knows about it. You know what I mean? Well, I'm, it, it's not just a good way to start. In some ways, if you don't have that connection, it's the most important place to start. Mm. I mean, every, literally every day when I meditate, I clear myself out and I connect with that child and I ask him, what do you want from me today? Mm. Yeah. Mm. See, that's awesome that you ask mm. it a question because that's mm. what I arrived to re pretty recently is how the fuck do I get these conversations started? And, mm. and I came up with, well, I'll just ask a question, you know? That's right. And you might, you might have to ask that question for months, depending yeah. on how long you've been ignoring that part of yourself. Okay. But when you oh. love yourself without any question, you will not let people hurt you. You will not yeah. let people use mm. you. Mm. And then mm. all you have to do is love at least one other person. And you begin to extend your own humanity and sense That's of awesome. love to others. And now selfishness is not a problem because the only problem with selfishness is when you define yourself as ending at your own skin. What happens if you define yourself as your family, as your community, your, your, your neighborhood, your, your city, your, your state, your country, your, the world? What happens if you feel connected to everything? If you love yourself and see yourself and everyone you meet, how are you going to treat people? beautifully but if you love yourself you're also not going to let them hurt you because you're not you're going to remember there are predators in the world so your adult self has to stand guard but your child self gets to feel free to make friends and and and, and be and be joyful and just see pictures in clouds you know and and to just just be that incredibly generous loving creative spark that you need to solve the problems in your life. That's your problem-solving engine. Didn't you get it? You know, so it's like knowledge is being intelligence is problem solving. Wisdom is knowing which problems to solve. <laughs> They're not the same thing. So what we're looking for is to be complete human beings. And as we do that, unashamed of ourselves nature you know nature will shape us into the male and the female of it and, and we, of course as a culture we are now asking questions about what is masculine is feminine and you have you know trans energy and all sorts of interesting stuff and that's all interesting um there's no direct dividing line between matter and energy between solid and liquid between living and dead between animal and, and vegetable and mineral and yet we also know that these categories exist. Without those categories, it's difficult for us to even conceive of things and, and speak about things. So simultaneously, there is infinite variety and there are discrete roles. There are, you know, the, for me, trying to figure out what being a man was, was difficult. I was raised by my mother and my sister, so I didn't have a direct model. So what I decided to do was to, first of all, just be a human being just let me just be the most me I can be. And the secondly, I want the respect of the men I respect. And I want to be desired by the kinds of women I desire. <laughs> what do I need to have those things mm. for a guy who has the kinds of skills and presence that I admire to think this, this young man, this man is worthy to stand you know, at my side as we face the lion together or whatever it is that men do. And in terms of women, to have, you know, intelligent, you know, passionate, beautiful, successful women look at me and think that they would give me access to their reproductive tract and make a baby with me and raise it, 
no higher compliment exists. You know, screw birth control. Forget about birth control. You're having vaginal sex with someone. Your hindbrain is saying we're making a baby. So a woman of courage and self-respect will judge you mercilessly because she is betting her life on you. I never, mm. my, my wife now is in her 50s, but I never forget that she was 32 when I met her and that she was, she gave me her peak reproductive years. That was the gamble that she made when she got together with me. So a woman who is intelligent is going to judge you and make you come up to a certain standard and make you energetically be what it is that she needs to be so that she can be a woman and you can, you know, and, and, and create a family with you. For that, a lioness needs a lion. It's as simple as that. It's so brutally simple that people don't want to look at it. But once you get the brutal simplicity of it, you can surrender to it and say, okay, I want a lioness. I'm going to be a lion. Simple What's as it? that. What's your take on that, Ron? What, what you well, I was just thinking, I was, uh, you know, there, man, you, you touch on a lot of like really good points that we could deep dive on any one of them. <laughs> and, and, you know, one thing I was, I was thinking about, uh, I mean, number one with that one is, is like, I think there is an opportunity every time you step into a new role, especially relationship uh, of that kind of caliber. And we think, I think the mistake that I have made for sure myself and I know that gets made pretty regularly is we think that the proximity to something like that will by nature create the energy for us to rise to the occasion and step into that place. You know, people think if I get married, I'm going to be better. If I, I get in a relationship, I'm going to be better. If I have children, I'm going to become the man I want to be. If I land that job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and the unfortunate thing is, is, is we're relying sometimes on the other to see the potential in us that we may or may not be able to see ourselves, And we're waiting for that to, to bolster us up. That is my experience that Ron Cecil has done. And I've watched it adjacently in my life among other people and only to put so much insane pressure on a wife, on a spouse to well, the thing for you to remember is you can't really marry above yourself. You cannot. You, you cannot. cannot. Yeah. You might want them to overlook your flaws, but you better be prepared to overlook theirs. Well, they will look o- overlook. Their, <laughs> you know, they will overlook their your flaws because they are kind of looking for the same thing. Sometimes, exactly. Right? You know, they, when you they get think, that joke, yeah. it's okay. Yeah. You know? And then so you they can be better than you at this, and you're better than them at this, and you can help each other, lift each other up. The problem is if you don't feel like you deserve them. And so in that case, you're always going to be afraid of losing them if they ever realize it. And that's when you can become a control freak. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, um, or just insanely codependent like I was. And I, I mean, I married two very high caliber women. <laughs> they saw that means that they, they, they saw things in you that you didn't see in yourself. 100%. Totally. And, and I, really? like I mean, what? Uh, with me in yeah. particular. Well, I was thinking about um, Steve Stevens' bio on on Amazon, it's your writer's bio, and and you talk about this moment where you were at Pepperdine, and you knew yeah. you were supposed to be a writer, and you were dancing all around it, and you had a um, and part of the reason you're dancing all around it was because your mother didn't want you to pursue a dream that she thought you were going to not be able to achieve that's right and i don't know if that was a spoken vow from her or an unspoken vow oh she burned my stories man wow 
Wow, you know, that is she, intense. She, yeah. You know, in no uncertain terms, my father had been a backup singer for Nat King Cole, and he tried to build a career in 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 music, and when it didn't work out, pl- arguably his lack of success destroyed their marriage, mm. arguably, and ruined her life in, in some way. She made a bad bet in 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 from the way she was looking at it. Um, so she didn't want that to happen to me. She knew I was smart, but I was getting terrible grades and I wouldn't engage with school. And I, you know, was a flake in that sense. So she, what she wanted was for me to survive. You know, you, if, if you're at the, a parent who can encourage their child to be an artist is a parent who has a safety net ready. Go ahead. You try to be an artist. And if you, if you fail, I'll, you know, I, we've got a room here for you and it'll be okay. If you're, operating close to survival you want your children to succeed because yeah, they're yeah. going to need to protect you when you can no longer provide so you know and and you you want them to provide you know to to succeed for their own sake so it was love and fear that motivated her behaviors so what gave you permission to break the vow with your mother i didn't i never promised her not to i i promised i told myself that i would try to to avoid it you know Mm. Uh, it 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 was it was a kind of well maybe she's right you know she's paying for my education you know let me try to move away from that and do something that's more practical you know so I would study you know journalism and acting and radio and you know everything except writing although I'm dancing all around it as you said but then one day they had a writing contest on campus and the winner would read their write their their story to a gathering of the alumni, and uh, I was one of the winners, or the winner. I forget whether or not there were other winners. I honestly do. And I read my story to them, and I watched their faces. And uh, to be completely honest with you, they were all white, and I saw that I had them in the palm of my hand. They wanted to know what was going to happen next. I was not black at that moment. I was a storyteller. And I said, this works for me. I can see the way to make a life doing this. I can see a way to navigate a hostile world. If I can tell stories like this, I can, I can, my talent and my intelligence can loom larger than my skin color. I need to be more than that because I know that I'm being prejudged. But if I can blow them away, they will forget my race and I'll be able to build the life that I want. Um, if, they had, if it had been an audience full of black people, I would have thought to myself, because I felt like a little bit of an outsider there too, I would have thought, ah, I found my tribe. I found my tribe. I found, you know, there are a group of people here who appreciate me for who I am. For what I am, and you don't need more than a thousand people, a thousand fans to support you. If you can have a thousand fans, you can have a life. So it was, you know, and the more expensive whatever it is you're doing is, the fewer people you need. You know, you need a penny from a million people, you know, to make ten thousand dollars a year, or you need a dollar from ten thousand people, you know, or you need ten thousand dollars from one person. You know, there are lots of different ways to figure to figure your way to how do I survive in the world? And I saw that possibility at that moment. I said, I could do this. I can do this. I can, whatever it is that I did that got me here, I can do this again. I can get better at this. 
So I, that because of that and a few other things, I dropped out of college and started started working my way into the into the industry. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, I, I I think that a lot of people, I don't want to say most, some number of people, myself included, got really close in our early twenties on potential. We were riding the wave of potential. I was riding the wave of potential. I'll just use me just as an example. Yes. And got to a similar place you did when you were in college, which was I'm bumping up against this potential of, of success around a thing I really care about. And, and where you, you know, you jogged right into the challenge of the, of the contest. Um, I jogged left into safety of being accepted by the people I thought I needed to be accepted by. Well, I am happy that you were even able to have that illusion Mm. or maybe better still, it is not a negative thing that you were able to have that illusion to the degree that it was an illusion because to a certain degree, there is safety in the norm. Mm -hmm. There is safety, you know, there, it is quite possible. If the average for your group is okay by you, then there's nothing wrong than than following the, the typical wisdom. I didn't have that for you. I, I knew, or I believed that the world would destroy me if I could not excel. Whether that's true or not is a, is a different question. Maybe it would merely destroy my spirit. Um, and that was, that was a hard one to feel that the very people who were making decisions about me in society had already decided that I was unworthy, that I was standing in a hole every time I had a job interview or, you know, was trying to do anything that, that I had to overcome that. I had to be taller than average because I was getting cut off at the knees. So it's, it's how do I be extraordinary enough to make up for the fact that people are going to have this prejudgment. It was, uh, you know, that saying about how God doesn't give you more stress than you can handle. I understand the point that it comes from. I understand mm-hmm. what people are saying. I understand that it's also very cruel to tell someone who feels that they're being completely overwhelmed. They can feel like, you know, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I'm yeah. being crushed here. Yeah. Um, but that stress did drive me into myself. Um, and if there has been if, if there's been something I have resented, it is that because I wasn't crushed, because I was able to find a balance that enabled me to use that stress to drive myself to be stronger and better and more successful, the very, the very society that devalued me and forced me down that tr- track will now say, see, there was never any problem. You made it just fine, Steve. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. It's painful, but you know, like I said, the princess bride life is pain. Princess, anyone who says different is selling something. <laughs> that was a good princess bride quote, right on. Thank you for that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I, nice. Steve, can I ask a question? Anything um, you want. Uh, this is your time. I've got about another. I've got about another twenty-five minutes for you. Well, good, good. Uh, just two more things. One, I know, I know, we were going to get to your warriors, warriors journey, um, yes, uh, program, but but right before that, um. I'm going to ask a question on behalf of Ron. Anything uh, you want. 
Ron, <laughs> I don't know Ron, what he's gonna ask. Okay. Ron is is doing something special right now. He's following a dream, making a dream reality of being of writing, and uh, he actually is a very good writer. And by the fiction, what's that? Fiction or nonfiction? Fiction. Okay. Go ahead. This and is great being being uh being having asked this. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> asked, yeah. I don't know what you're gonna ask, but it is fantastic. Um and that's a real friend, by the way, Ron. <laughs> oh, I know he's pushing you out of your comfort zone. Dude, he's uh, ass, that's yeah. the kind of friend you want. Yeah. Okay, so I've been seeing Ron uh make this dream a reality, go through the 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 backfires, the false starts, you know, the 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 dead batteries, you know. He he's been doing all of that for the last couple of well, about the last year and a half. We started a writing group, we made a lot of ground there. He um went out on a limb challenged himself pitched his story uh, at the willamette writers conference no oh, good um, conference and that's how i met you by the way you were the keynote speaker at the willamette writers conference um a few years ago so he's been doing all of this and i just wanted to ask you for someone who is finding some success at, at this stage for him it's inward success his i know he's in the push of writing a thousand words a day right now he's having successful days and challenging days. I know today was kind of a challenging day for him. And I just wanted to ask for a person who's kind of got the ball rolling and they're about to potentially have something they can get published. You know, we're talking about okay. Ron here. So what, I, what do you think? I can handle this. I can handle this perfectly. This is fine. <laughs> and what I'm going to do is I'm going to, first of all, I'm going to put an, a URL up here, but then I'm going to give you the most important thing. Cause you know, basically I love money, but I don't teach for money. I just, make money because that how else am I going to buy sushi? So uh, if you go to www.lifewritingpremium.com, you'll get our year, my, the, the year long writing program that I created, I'm creating and have created with my wife, who's American book award winner, British fantasy award winner. She's, she's a monster. Um, and it's a year of weekly prompts. And it is, we're making it the absolute best writing course in the world. That is our commitment. Nothing less than that. But I will give you, I think it's six step process that we always tell people. If you will follow this process, you don't need lifewritingpremium.com. But if you want, but if you want the community, we're here for you. So let me give you this, you know, one step at a time. The first step is write one sentence a day. I'm going to put this in the chat. period. Write one sentence a day. That is your commitment from now on, as long as you're on this path. This is this will put you on the path to mastery. Okay. Any questions about that? Real nope. quick. Okay, good. The second step is write one to four short stories a month. Do not try to write books until you've published short stories. Just don't do it. It's like running a marathon before you've run around the block. Don't be stupid. Plus, isn't the short story, as I understand it, like seen as this as this heralded uh, genre? Like, it's a very challenging thing to do to write a short. A, a short well, story. It, it's a very you know, all writing is challenging, but the short story is the smallest complete unit of fiction. There we go. You know, it contains everything that you need. You know, the, the difference between a short story in this book is is just you're repeating the patterns. In a large on a larger scale, that's it. Yeah. You know, if you know how to write a hundred, you know, if you you will learn vastly more by writing a hundred thousand words of short stories than you ever would by writing a hundred thousand word novel. 
That's awesome. By the time you've written yeah. 20 short yeah. stories, about 100,000 words, you are a much better writer. You get it inside out, upside down, and you've moved your skills to unconscious competence. Mm-hmm. Just, just, you just, just do the work, do the work, do the work, do the work. Okay. That feels like great advice. <laughs> okay. And you can apply well, advice to anything. I mean, seriously, it's, this is for writing. The other yeah. thing. So say so one cent a day, one to four short stories a month, um, finish and submit. Once you've got that story finished, and the thing is, you can spend a year writing a short story as long as you're writing other short stories sufficiently that you're averaging between one and four per month. Mm-hmm. I don't care how long you spend on a story, but make sure you're finishing between one and four per month. Just, just make that commitment. But you also submit them, send them out for publication. Right. It is not up to you to decide how good your writing is. Yeah. What you want, the, the sincerest form of compliment is a check that clears the bank. Is a professional <laughs> editor betting their mortgage on you. Yeah. That's what you want them saying, mm-hmm. oh, this will enhance my reputation if they see that's different from the people in your writing group or your friends or your spouse or your mom and dad. They might they might be you know really complimentary for no reason, or they might be jealous of you, you know, and say negative things for no reason. You it's there, it's fine, but but go further than that. Send it out, start developing the muscle of submission. It is, you know, dealing with the demons that say, I'm not good enough, or I'm too good, or I'm this, or I'm that. It's not for you to say any more than it was for me to say when I was a black belt. That was for my teacher to decide. So I have a ridiculously high rank in, in one of my things. It is in my, my pretender voice constantly says, I'm not that, but it, I trust my teacher. He says I am. So I have to live up to that, or I am dishonoring my teacher. It's, you know, you, you, you do these tricks. You say, how do I get out of the chrysalis? How do I get out of the armor? How do I get out of the trap that I built to protect myself? You, it's your associations with other people. So you want that association. So the fourth thing is you, once you're finished, don't rewrite. Except to editorial request. What that means is once you send the stories out, you don't go back and rewrite them unless you send a story out to an editor and they say, you know, if you change this and this, hmm. I'd be interested in taking a look at this. That's exactly what you're looking for in the same way that if you're swimming in the ocean and you start seeing driftwood and seagulls, you know, you're getting close to land. Hmm. Okay. So an editor saying, if you were to change this and this, I'd look at it again. That's exactly what you're looking for. Okay. Okay. The fifth step is read 10 times as much as you write. For every story you write, read 10 stories. Simple. Every page you write, read 10 pages. There's nothing worse than people who don't nourish themselves. So you not only do you, and I could, I could spend hours talking about any one of these things. This is super condensed work. Um, but read better writing than you, than you have an ambition to write. Yeah. You know, the way I put it, if you want to write comic books, read popular fiction. If you want to write popular fiction, read bestsellers. If you want to write bestsellers, read classics. And if you want to write ca- classics, choose your grandparents very carefully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and the last step yeah. is... Repeat this process 100 times. Starting today, hmm. you will fall, You will write 100 short 
stories and not even begin to judge your path until you have done so. How long will that take? That's up to you, isn't it? If you could write flash fiction, you could write a flash, a piece of flash fiction every day, in which case you're through 100 stories in three months. Or you could write one a week, in which case you're through in two years. That's about the time it takes to get an AA degree. Yeah. Okay. Or you could write one a month, in which case it'll take you about four years, six years. You know. And it's okay no matter what you do. You have to decide how much, how badly do you want it? What are you willing to do? You know, how much of yourself are you willing to commit? You know, how Steve, much work? Yeah. Sorry, I just maybe this was advice more for me than Ron. I swear because, because like that's a I see the wisdom in this. This I've heard a lot of advice in a lot of different realms of life, you know, and that that little six step process right there. If one if a person did it, it would work. Like it's, it has that. never failed. <laughs> it has literally never failed. I did this for myself when I was in my thirties because I well no late twenties. That was when I first, I didn't have it completely formulated, but yeah. I realized I was not where I wanted to be and I wasn't getting there and I was starting to get scared. And so I decided, you know, well, when I look at the biographies of writers, they say on average, it takes between 30 stories, approximately 40 stories, mm -hmm. somewhere in there before they started selling. I'm going to give myself twice that room. Right. I'm not even going to ask myself the question. I'm all the doubt in my head. I'm not going to pay any attention to it until I have done 100 stories. And I got to about story 24. And no one who has followed my advice has gotten to story 30 before they started selling. Not a single person. Wow. Wow. So, you know, even if, even if a person doesn't sell, it's like, I look at my computer, open files on my computer. There's, there are thousands of pages of writing there but it wasn't done with focus or basically what you're talking about here. A lot of it ended up being brainstorm. It was a lot of work. It took a lot of work and it's completely in, it's not valuable to anybody. It's, it's balderdash. It's not. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it, it might've it might helped you develop your voice. I mean, what you have to do, I write the way I talk. That's the trick, you know, is you write, you learn to write the way you talk and then you learn to be a fascinating person and you'd be that by becoming who you are. I mean, you I'm not kicking of, myself over it, but yeah, yeah. you know, and, 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 and you shouldn't, you shouldn't, it was typing practice, if nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to do this, all of that led you to this, led you to this conversation. So I was the, I was the, the element from the outside that you needed to kick yourself up to the next level. If I were you, I'd give myself a big hand because you created a podcast that gave you <laughs> yeah, an excuse right. to get me on the line to talk to you. You know, I charge two hundred and fifty dollars to a thousand dollars an hour for consulting with people. You got it for free. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, you know that little boy inside you yeah. wants you to wants you to believe that he is adorable and brilliant. Pat him on the back. He did a good thing. Thanks, man. You know, I was talking to ther <laughs> my therapist yesterday, and I was like, I want to feel good on my deathbed, and that yes. that mm. idea has been hitting me pretty hard lately that's the warrior path you is know? to understand that you're going to die and ask yourself how do you want to live exactly because the yeah. thing is is it starts getting you asking questions yes you know? so have, you, have, have you and oh. i talked about this because that's why i started writing again was i literally in in the twilight of either going to sleep or waking up or one of those moments i saw myself in my deathbed surrounded by my family 
And I thought, See, what's what's inside me that needs to come out? Man, you know, you guys, you guys are so hot. I mean, you seriously <laughs> are. Um, because the ancient child meditation, which is part of the warrior journey program, yeah. um, it it gets in touch with the 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 little child inside you, but also the ancient you're going to be on your deathbed. Awesome. And it teaches you to visualize both of them Ooh. and then step out of the way and let cool. them talk. Yeah, that's cool. I yeah. mean, really, all the wisdom you need to guide your life is between those two. Yeah. I'm, I'm deadly seriously. All you have to do then as an adult is to follow the path that they give you because the kid has all the enthusiasm and the dreams and the person on the deathbed is beyond all the bullshit. There's no more ego. There's no more games. It's just, how did you live? And so death will advise you more honestly than life. Life is afraid of losing you. Your death's a bitch. I mean, when you, when you die, you're going to be with death forever. So death wants you to be as interesting as you can possibly be by the time you get to hell. Or heaven. <laughs> however you want. <laughs> you know? Death wants you to be as interesting as you can possibly be. I like that. Yes. Yeah. You know, it will not fail you. My father died of cancer and it just ate him up. He looked like the crypt keeper by the time mm. he died. And I did not mm -hmm. want to look at it. But a voice in my head said, this is the last gift he has to give you. Wow. Oh, understanding that this is how life ends yeah this is how life ends don't pretend that you can live small enough mm. that death will tiptoe past your cubbyhole <laughs> and not notice you death is coming for you too and once you 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 work your way through that cry scream and moan go through yeah. elizabeth kubler ross's six steps of denial i don't care get over it it's coming for you in the light of that, what do you want to give the world? Yeah. How much love do you want to give your children? When you make love to your wife, knowing this might be the last time, how precious do you hold her? When you talk to your friends and you say goodbye, do you understand this might be the last time you ever speak to them? When you write a story, you understand this might be the last words you have to say to the world? It is life that makes us lazy. Death gets us off the couch. Yeah. I keep a photo of myself and my dad. My dad in this photo is um, 33. And he looks- Here, Ron, like, the last yeah. time, sorry to cut you off, the last time that we talked to Steve, that's why you have that on your desk. Because remember, he was. you were saying that you didn't have a- That's right. That's right. right. Good memory. I mean, I, I took the photo out of the picture because, because I wanted- No! Yeah. <laughs> I envy you so much. I have no picture of myself like that with my father. I have no Ooh. memories of him at that age that is i would give anything i have for a picture like that that's the press that's how precious uh -oh. that don't you dare take that for granted don't you dare you are a wealthy man okay so let's let all this lead to the the journey of the warrior artist um it the warrior's journey was my attempt to take everything that I know and give it away as simply as I could. And I could not do that alone because too much of my journey was simply following what others said to do. You know, this, yeah. just, you know, this martial arts master, just do what I do. You know, and both my martial arts instructor and, and my writing mentor, Larry Niven, have said that the thing that was different about me with their, than their other students is I actually did what they said to do. Everybody else is trying to do it their way. I would say, well, what do I do? And they'd say, do this. I said, okay. And I go away and do it. 
And I come back, is this what you were saying? And they say, uh, yeah. And it's surprising. But but doing it that way means that I did not necessarily have conscious awareness of, of how I changed. Because what I was looking for was the part inside me that was willing to die rather than be reduced. You can kill me, but you cannot stop me. You cannot make me into something that I am not. My soul is immortal. You can only kill my body. You can kill my ego. But make no mistake, if you don't kill my body too, I'm going to get up and I'm coming after you. This is not over until one of us is dead. Once you have crossed that line, I will not be fucked with. I will not be hurt. The little kid inside me that is so open and loving and caring and loves hugs and puppies and poetry is protected by a monster of a father. You understand me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I will kill you. Do not mess with my family. Do not mess with me. Do not mess with my sacred honor, or my country, or people who worship my God, or people who worship any God that is, that is a path to joy and love and peace. I will stand, you know, it's, 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 you know, you shall not pass. Bang. I've got to die for something. Might as well be this. <laughs> it's like, you know, shall, shall we do this? Shall we do this? Really? Okay. All right. Let's, you know, if, if this is what you want, I'm here. Take a step. All you have to do is start it. I knew that that was what I was looking for. And I didn't know how to find it. And I trusted myself to people who did. And I went out and I found the best self-defense instructor I have ever known. It's a little woman named Dawn Callen, little honey blonde. It's only four foot 10. Uh, and She's not dangerous. She's absolutely lethal. She's lethal. She's done something that I've never seen, which is she created a workshop called Awakening the Warrior Within, where over 10,000 people went through her workshop personally. And in just two days, she could, she could put you in touch with the part of yourself that is that, the core of what the martial arts are about, which is that attitude, I'm ready to die and I'm ready to take you with me. Mm. Everything I've, other than that is just technique. Really, I mean, seriously, it's just moving your arms and legs quickly and having strategies and stuff like this. And she could do it in two days, more than most places could in two years. And she never discussed exactly how she did it, but she's semi-retired now. And I renewed my friendship with her after many years. And I talked her into sharing with me, how did you do it? And it was, ultimately it was simple. She would make connection between your animal instincts for survival and your spiritual intuition mm -hmm. about what is divine in the world what is right and you stand at the nexus of your animal self and your spiritual self saying this is the world and i will stand here and i will be myself and anyone who comes at you has to be out of balance they have to or they would not attack you and all you have to do is grasp that is grasp what that balance is to maintain it and to have 100% commitment to protecting that child inside you. If, if you could imagine how hard you would fight for your own defenseless baby or your pregnant wife who is swollen with child and cannot run, however hard you would fight to protect them, that's how hard you should be fighting to protect your dreams. That's how hard you should be fighting to protect yourself, your heart, your, your body. Any gap between how, you see that thing about how hard would you fight to protect your child? That's what your actual potential is. Yeah. That lethal engine, 
You know, it's like Dawn says, you know, show me a, show me a woman protecting her baby. I'll show you self-defense. That's what you're looking for. All the karate stuff that, you know, that's all interesting, but the core of it is a real fight is two cats in a sack. Who's willing to die? Who's mm-hmm. going to bring it all? And it is that energy that you need to be an artist. That willingness to ruthlessly protect your dreams, your ideas, your time to, to, to be able to read reviews. And you might cry when it's a bad one, but you shake it off. Say, okay, yeah. let me get back. Let me do it. To listen to both cheers and jeers and maintain your balance. It's nice to hear cheers. It's, it's hard to hear jeers, but ultimately you got to keep stepping. And to do that, keep that child safe, you need a warrior. The art, art is the art of self-expression, of being able to go into who you are and then filter that through skill and, and craft so that you're speaking a language that can be translated by the audience. So that you know you create this image, this image, this image, and they scream with, with fear. This image, this, this image, this image, and they laugh. Okay. You are saying, I find this frightening, I find this funny. I find this a turn on. What images would I need in order to feel these things on the other side? How do I communicate this? What language? And it could be, you know, a film. You know, it could could be painting. I have an emotion. There's something I want to communicate. Let me use the language of my paint and brushes and perspective and this and that and ratios and all this stuff to create an emotional response in the viewer. How do I use my words, my images, this, that, and the other to create an emotional response in my reader? How do I use my body like this to create an emotional response in the person I'm fighting? You want to see an artist, look at Muhammad Ali, you know, martial arts, look at Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was, was art. He was instilling, he felt fear within himself. So he developed the skill, the body, to transfer that fear to his opponent. If you could take a look, they were terrified to get in the ring with him. You think he wasn't afraid? Of course he was afraid. But he became an artist who could then communicate that fear to the other person. The other person didn't know how to deal with it. They broke down. Okay. So the, the, he, the warrior's journey is for people who want the, the clarity, the emotional tools of an advanced martial artist without having spent all of that time. And what we did was what we realized, the first one was a 10 week program. And we realized that was just the beginning. Yeah, You know, it was just putting their feet on the path. And so we said, well, if that's the case, we might be able to condense that. If all we're doing is putting their feet on the path and they have to commit to it for a lifetime, because the question of mastery is an interesting one. I don't remember when that I, I had, I said this to you, but, but in speaking with uh, George Leonard, who was the men's fitness columnist for Esquire magazine, wrote a book called Mastery, where he talks about the fact that most people never experience real expertise or mastery because they're, they can't go through the fallow period where it looks like nothing is changing. And then my karate instructor, who is the greatest master of karate that I've ever known personally, as well as being a good man, I mean, just I mean, really, he's he is he's what you would want a man with that kind of death in his hands to be. And his attitude was that mastery is when you have the the basics of your craft and unconscious competence such that you can create spontaneously under pressure. If I combine those two things, then the conclusion I come to is that mastery is a verb, not a noun. It is a vector, not a position. 
And when you have learned the basics of your craft and unconscious competence, and you have committed to that path for a lifetime, you are on the path of mastery. As much as anyone else who's ever been on the path, even if they are horizons dis distant from you, all that matters is being on the path. And Don Callen and I can put you on the path of mastery in 10 days. It's up to you what you do after that. But if you will follow us, if you will do the things that, that we say to do, if you will consider the things we ask you to consider, 10 days, man. And the warrior's journey is the best expression of that that I've ever created. Uh, if you want to walk the streets with confidence, you want to be able to love with confidence, if you want to be able to create fearlessly. Because fear, it isn't a matter of removing fear. It's a matter of gaining clarity about what fear is. People often think that, you know, that they have to, you know, that their, 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 their dreams are here and their fear is here and they're here. And they have to get through their fear to get to their dreams. No, you don't have to. You don't have to remove the fear to get what you want. You can change positions. My fear is here. I'm here. What I love is here. I will use my fear to drive me. You put your fear behind you, your love in front of you, and run like hell. <laughs> Man, Steve, thank you. God, this is, I've got um, probably about a thousand questions I could keep asking about uh, on, on everything we've spoken about today, and especially those six things. And then we could, you know, I could deep dive into the warrior's journey. Uh, but one www.realwarriorsjourney.com. That's what I was www.realwarriorsjourney.com. 100% money back guarantee. I don't want your money. I don't, I make most of my money writing. I don't need this. I mean, I, I have to maintain an infrastructure. I have business partners and I like to, I actually don't even get any money from this program. All my profits go to Dawn. You know, it's like, you know, it's my way of saying, Thank you, teacher. Thank you for, for giving me the, the wealth, the beauty of your life. That you're, you're, she's, I'm the first person that she has trusted with the actual core of, of how what she does works. And I am grateful beyond words. You know, Thank you so much. You know, me and Ron both jumped in on that when you provided a, a, a door to it. And there's a lot of substance there and it, it does take a lot of commitment. And I appreciate that you said the, the emphasis you put on that commitment, you know, for the 10 days, because 10 days is quick. <laughs> yeah, but most people can't even do that. I mean, quite frankly, because they're not ready. They think that it's some techniques that you can layer on top of your ego. No, it's about asking yourself, who are you really? Because that's what you're going to need in art. That's what you're going to need to maintain a relationship with your wife. You know, it's just like that, that question of, of, you know, sexuality. The, the, the cultures that have dealt with the question of sexuality in a non-purient way, not smirking, have said something to the effect that the intensity of an orgasm is in direct proportion to the amount of your ego that you release at that moment. In other words, if you can remember your name, it wasn't good sex. It, it's that, you know, what they call on sex in the city, that, that throwdown. Who are you? You know, who are you? This is who I am. Bring it all. Bring it all right here. Because you, we are a man and a woman, the primary, the primary unit of, of humanity standing together against the world. 
It's you and me, babe. This is who I am on every level. I bring everything I have to this moment, to this relationship, everything. And the same thing is going to be true of your art. It's the dissolution of the subject-object relationship. You're in that painting. You're in that story. Yeah. It's, you know, and that's what you want when somebody reads your work. They're not reading words on a page. They're falling into your world. And that can only happen if you fell into it first. You got to make the hole for them to fall into. It's the same thing. You know, you take a look at Bruce Lee and Enter the Dragon. It's very clear that they captured some things on film in that movie that are uncommon that this was a genuine artist. This was somebody working at the outer edge of human potential, willing to die in order to create indelible images that would free Asian men from the myth of asexuality. That was his demon. Um, and he pushed himself to death to create those images. And I would imagine his spirit would feel like it was worth it. I mean, he would, he would regret leaving his family behind, but he gave everything. That's what artists have to do. That's what athletes do. That's what parents have to do. You willing to go all the way? You willing to go all the way there? Then you have the chance to become the best you can be. You have the chance to walk the path of mastery. You can't walk the path of mastery and take your ego with you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Steve, thank you. Thank You're you. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. This is, uh, this is a result of our conversation six months ago and the fight that I'm engaging in every single time I sit down to write, I look at my young self and I dedicate myself to the muse and to whatever that little boy needs the most. And I appreciate it. It's a direct result from our conversation. That's what you have to do. Yeah. You know, all, everything I say to you are things I got from, I've had extraordinary teachers in life. I've been so blessed. And if I can honor them by passing it on, then it, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the opportunity. That's great. Hey, we really appreciate you. Thanks for showing up with us, spending this great time with us, giving us your valuable wisdom and insight. Thank you so much. Yeah. We can't wait to share this with the world. Thank you. You're very welcome. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Yeah. You Thanks, can help Steve. me. If you can help me show people that they that there is a path to joy. And the Dalai Lama said that the meaning of life is to seek joy. I can think of no better explanation. Just start moving the obstacles out of the way. Seek joy. Love yourself, love the people around you, be God in the world. That's right. That's right. Hey, thanks, Steve. Appreciate awesome. you. We'll you talk take again. care. Have a great right, day. Take care. Bye. Bye. Wow, field dressing Steve Barnes. That guy is a volcano of wisdom. <laughs> he brings it. He is he is the endless like constantly erupting volcano. I mean if it, that's a person who's distilled uh who does what they say, which is rare. Yeah. And and is vulnerable at the same time, which is also rare. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it creates it creates that fire, man. You know when you're when you do what you say, you stay vulnerable and you allow your ego to be continuously dissolved. That creates a lot of heat. And to do, you know, what fascinates me as much as anything is that he's doing it at the age that he is, or rather not the age, but the stage of life, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I just find that amazing. Like, how do you feel like you'll, do you feel like you'll still have a lot of fire and passion when you're like 70? That's a good question. I feel like 
it, it for me my it's been an upward trajectory and it's just continued to continue to go you know i mean there are definitely like downtimes i mean shit you know yeah. there, there are days right in a week that i'm calling you and i'm like fuck it's hurt it hurts it's painful i don't want to do this i'm afraid <laughs> you know i'm scared i don't know what the next step is and um and yet you know measured over time it's an upward trajectory and i honestly man like i don't like I remember as a child watching my grandfather um, alone, my father's father, um, waste away in front of a television. Yeah. And, and I remember thinking then, like, something about not having a passionate path will kill you. As a child, I thought, that's going to kill you. It's going to kill me if I go do that. I guess what I'm reaching for, because I hear you. I hear you. Passion. Yeah. No, I hear you. You're speaking to it for sure. I think what, what has been getting me lately is this idea that, and this might be wrong and I'm willing for it to be updated. There's a certain amount of energy that is coursing through our bodies and it's pumping through our bodies and then death and aging seems to be a a lessening of energy. You know, there's just less energy as Campbell says, there's more mass than energy as Mm. we age. And so you rot. That's, I guess, what rotting is. And so I've been thinking about this. Like, if you have less energy as time goes on, then wouldn't you have less energy to give to things? And wouldn't you be less passionate? And wouldn't you get tired more easily? And wouldn't you not be motivated, you know, as much? And I'm just a little worried about that for myself because I expended a lot of energy in my life so far and i'm a little afraid that i'm like t- gonna t- be tired you know and get tired out you keep and doing that- those all night parties like you you told me about the other night and you fuck dude you will get tired <laughs> i don't know i feel like that's the opposite like those i know what you mean. Me. yeah you know well seriously yeah. though like it's it's when i wouldn't want to go out and party yeah you know after because like i did that at a long at the end of a long week in a long month where I accomplished my goals, I had yeah. something to celebrate. October yeah. is like the apotheosis of productive months for, for me and my other friend, David, whom you know, is October is a special month. Hmm. We always take October and use it as a, a little foothold on the rest of the year, you yeah. know, kind of like a January 1st, yeah. maybe for yeah. and other people, but, you know, and we did that. I did that this month. And so I, I, I like to celebrate, but I'm talking about when, when you just, feel like you're not gonna i'm afraid a little bit i've never voiced this but i'm slightly afraid of losing losing motivation are you really a little bit yeah do you like if i if i didn't accomplish my well if i didn't accomplish my goals already then Mm. now i'm working with less energy why would i accomplish them you know what i mean it's just this weird sort of thinking that that kind of gets i get screwed into sometimes my whole point is is that that motherfucker does not (laughs) yeah he's creating his energy (laughs) i mean he's creating it by action and i think that's the thing um that we can see is like people can choose a different path and he's continued to choose that i mean even even in his like trying to save his family, you know, that whole, you know, side journey of having to go to Atlanta and the, and taking care of other things and walking away from Hollywood. And now he's decided to get back in like his IMDb page shows a credit in the Hollywood world in 2020, right? There was a big gap, almost a 20 year gap. And, and he's, and of course he's been writing like all these other crazy novels. He's got a thir- 30 of them or something crazy, but he wants to get back in there because he's had these stated goals 
and he's creating energy around it. And it's, I mean, yeah. Can you speak to that? What's your thing. take? What's your take on all, on all that? Like, of the, 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 the of disintegration of our energy. Yeah. I just, I just yeah. kind of presented to you kind of like some of my lower self fears yeah. around this. And then like, what's your rebuttal to that? What's your take on that? What's your answer? I'd thank you for asking. Um, I would, I wouldn't worry about it, man. I mean, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a, it's a normal fear and it's a little going back to what we were talking about earlier with our hair and that it's like a normal stage of life and we can either fight it like I am by putting Rogaine on my scalp <laughs> and owning what little time I have with my hair, which I'm yeah. trying to do a lot. I'm like fucking blow drying and styling and, you know. <laughs> Good for you. Or you embrace the other side, which is, well, fuck, I'm losing it. And I'm going to just home. embrace what this is. Yeah, exactly. Come on home. And I've decided, I, you know, I told my wife, I told myself this, like whatever happens, I'm going to fully embrace. And, nice. and I um, look at my bald father-in-law, who's a prolific artist and his, who has owned his bald head as long as you know as far back as history goes and he's a prolific artist man i mean he that drives him he's creating his energy every he's single one of the day. people i think of when i think of being being having energy into my old because i'm i'm known as a person who has a lot of energy yeah you know? at the same time when one expends energy unwisely you actually close off your ability to create energy because I have get a lot of energy through my body, you know, and if you've injured your body and you injure it such that you can't move it in the ways you want to move, then you don't have that source of energy. I'm not saying that I've done that, yeah. but I've been close in the past and I'm starting to really, really value what I have left. Yeah. And I really like what you said about whatever situation you're in, you're going to embrace it. You're like, I still have some time with my hair. I'm embracing that when the time comes that I decide that it's not enough, then I'll embrace that. You know, that's a really nuanced, cool way yeah. to look at that. Yeah. Um, the, the other thing I was going to tell you about that is like, is you, I, I think we, we have a number of stories and I think Steve talked about this a little bit where from the inside of our head, we're seeing these projections on the wall or these ideas come in and we wonder, is that, do I need to be worried about that? Do I need to uh, address that danger? And, and one of the dangers that you're addressing, which is, I think, the most normal thing that we can address is what do I, how do I want to feel when I get to my deathbed? And most of us will not address that. Or if we do, it's more around like, will my family be okay? Or what are the, what are the, what are the practical sides of this? And, and some of us will say, well, I want to, I want to feel content and that I've done my best. And, and you are because you are because you are addressing that now and you're honoring that the little boy in you is trusting that you are protecting him he's trusting that you are guiding him through his joy and his excitement and his creativity and and there's there right there is the effervescence of energy yeah, but the truth is, man, because that's one thing I really took away from that first conversation with Steve about six months ago. Back in April, was, yeah. Yeah, is is that willingness to die for your for yourself. Yeah. And I wanted to bring this up, but we were rolling. Um, like a couple of days ago, I was laying down doing a little bit of emotional work, you know, just, just feeling some stuff. And, yeah. 
and then deciding whether or not I was ready to move on from those feelings and, and feel something else. Mm. And one of the feelings I was feeling was just kind of this distaste for myself, you know, just Ooh, really, yeah. Not yeah, really yeah. liking border borderline loathing, you know, I was yeah, kind of like, sure. And I'm not saying that's how I feel about myself unequivocally, but sometimes right. and in certain ways I do. And I think that that's something that this world that you, you're in and Steve's in and that to some extent I'm in of self-improvement. Well, you guys are more coaches. That's what I meant about to some extent I'm in it because um, I'm not a coach. Uh, is that that comes up a lot, self-loathing, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I definitely feel that. And it's a pretty shitty feeling. <laughs> and also why and am i ready to feel something else mm-hmm. and because i through all this journey i've created in a way a, an ability to communicate with my emotions and create emotions alchemize emotions like just choose you know mm-hmm. i was like well how about i feel something else and mm-hmm. i decided to feel mm-hmm. like i loved myself and like I liked myself and like I admired myself and like I really respected myself. And I have my little tricks to get there, you know? And like what? Those, What's like one little trick? Just <laughs> like one, I, just one. I just find one, per, I just think of one person that I do feel those things about. And then I imagine that I'm them, hmm. you know? Hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I, I don't know a lot of actors, but I know that for some reason, those are really famous, good looking, talented, accomplished actors or people that I, and a lot of people tend to right. admire. And so I just imagine I'm that person. But I imagine that person that I'm that person so as to get to an emotion that I feel about myself. That's it's very important. And I but my point is that I felt it, man. I felt like I felt love and admiration for myself. It took work, mm. but I got there. Mm. And that was a special experience. I think what you just said said practically speaking is probably a gift that a lot of men need to try to do a lot of people a lot of people not just men a lot of people which is i don't feel good about myself i dislike myself i loathe myself i have a litany of judgments against myself and steve just spent the last you know better part of an hour and a half like telling us all the reasons we need to learn how to love ourselves and all the different ways that one can start to begin to and you just laid out an even more practical way of of you know, like, hey, I'm just going to imagine someone I really like and admire. And I'm going to like settle into it until I can imagine that's me that I'm admiring. And to physically feel with your nervous system body, yeah, that experience of liking yeah. and being liked simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a discipline that needs to be practiced. It is, man. And that's yeah. the thing I that I really value in what you and I are doing when I tried to speak to with Steve is like, let's get into the specifics, yeah. you know, because yeah. you can let these ideas and these concepts wash over us. And I'm glad Steve, you know, we were asking about some and yeah. you didn't. And I feel like that's that's the good stuff, you know. Yeah. I, yeah. Sorry, maybe not. Maybe other people are at stages, or there's other there's ways in my life where I just need the inspiration, the the idea. But what's really helpful is like, how do we do this? Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. There's some stat I can't remember. I think it was Richard Rohr who I heard this from, but the, and I think he's quoting something else. Richard Rohr is a teacher and spiritual leader in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, with the Center of Action and Contemplation, and. He says that like um, some giant percent, like 99% of a peak experience that we were, that we, that we get to be a part of or participate in, in like a, a 
a weekend retreat or something like that. Like within the time of less than a month, it's gone. Yeah. Right. Cultures, culture overwhelms us. Like the tidal wave of normalcy comes back and just washes it all away and dilutes everything that you've got. And the only way that we can retain it are these like fucking trench warfare, inch by inch, practical, um, practical and actionable steps in our day of bringing kindness to ourselves remembering who we want to be and taking action towards that and there's i mean there's i mean i always say there's a thousand ways to skin a cat but none of them work unless you apply it none of them work unless you apply with consistency over a long time yeah yeah it's true and it's a pain in the ass and it's It's a a giant pain in the ass you know yeah i was having a full hissy fit like fight tantrum (laughs) today you know because my my the my journey back over into your writing. writing. Yeah, 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 yeah. My my my, <laughs> my journey into writing was an action of loving myself. It was waking up a dream that my younger self had, honoring that and, and therefore honoring my younger self. Yeah. My my inner child seems pretty cool. Like my what I mean by that is like he doesn't this little guy doesn't need too much help, right? It's like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for him. Like that's not not I know that's you know he's safe. But it's like my 15 through 17 year old self who thinks he knows better than anybody else, who is trapped in a tower of cool that is like isolating him and keeping him from the things that he really wants. And, and that's the one who needs to be like, it's like a combination of like a little bit of like grit. Hey, fucker, you, we need to get up and get to action. And also like add a boy. I'm going to pat you on the back. I'm going to hug you. I'm going to keep hugging you. And we're going to keep working hard. And, and we were sitting down together, Ronnie and I, the 17 year old me, and we did not want to write this morning. It was like the thousand word, my thousand word commitment was having a hard time. I remember hitting 300 words and going, oh my God, it took me 40 minutes. And I had an hour before, or I had like 20 more minutes before you and I got on. Like I stood up, walked around the house, fucking let it all out like talked about it like oh i hate this <laughs> you know just really <laughs> yeah i just like had a tantrum and i and then like my capital s self my adult self came up and go yeah it's okay to feel all those things let's go sit back down and bang this out let's trust it and let's trust that we're doing this for ronnie let's trust that we're doing this in in service of the muse which is it's funny stephen pressfield a lot of prolific stephen writers out there and I came back down and something came to me. I don't know, like, I don't know what it is. I don't know how it's going to fit all in, but I, but I, I reached my goal of a thousand words and it's like, all right, there's another thousand words towards yeah. this, you know, 90,000 word goal kind of thing. That's the gold, gold, man. Yeah. Like the fact that you did that and that you, uh, in other ways are going to do that, you know, probably later today, you know, in other aspects yeah. of your life. And that, that's really where the rubber, rubber meets the road. It's like change and creating something that's original and it's not what you've done before and not to say that creating what you've done before is bad but if you want to change what you created yeah. that's what we're talking about right well, and if someone does that it's fucking hard it's generally hard let me ask you something and maybe you need to channel your, your inner Stephen barnes or whatever part of your professional writing self that you want to uh, tap into um if i were to do his six steps right one sentence a day, one of four short stories a month, steps. finish and submit. Don't rewrite except your two editorial requests. Read 10 times what you write and repeat this 100 times. Okay. 
I am right now, Daniel. But you're writing a book, like you're. In the I'm writing process. a book, so here's my question. Okay, thank you for uh, pointing that out. Is I am. Let me tell you how many words I got. Actually, I don't need to tell you. It's yeah. it's close to fifty thousand. It's a yeah. lot. It's really really close. So do I. One, finish. Keep keep committed to the thousand words a day, and and complete my obligations to the people who have requested more to the person i should two people there's two people to the two um the answer is yes agents okay was that was the laugh was this snortle because <laughs> it's just yeah yes you're already doing it that's why i laughed when i asked and he started to answer it in the way that he did because yeah. he what he was speaking in how to help a writer but like yeah. i tried to set you up as like he's already doing it what's yeah. the next you know yeah, yeah yeah his advice was for me you know yeah, totally. like i have a good book idea too but i don't need to write that book i need to learn how to be a writer mm. and i've i've heard versions and parts and shadows of and echoes and like aspects of what he just laid out here and this is as complete as any like anyone does that they're going to get good and that's going to be fun and it's going to be really satisfying the short story is considered, as I understand it, one of the more difficult things to do because of what you said. You are telling a whole story. It's not a chapter. It's not yeah. part of a book. It's not one in a series. It's not a poem. It's like a full-on start, middle, and beginning, you know, scenes and everything. And they can be kind of long or they yeah. can be really short. Have you and read... So, uh, think, have you... Hold on real quick. Yeah, go, I think okay, that okay. it's really... This is hugely valuable. And that is speaks to me right now. And it even speaks like in Cutting for Sign. Like remember I was telling you I'm going back to college to take some painting classes and some writing classes and yeah. some music classes and I've already started and one of the things that's happening is the fucking the book the write a book creative nonfiction class that's like the highest creative writing class at this college which I am going to be allowed to be in it's not this next semester it's I'm gonna miss it mm. and so it's like god damn it but what is available is the short short story writing class and I was like, in my mind, before this whole conversation, mm. I was like, man, I know I should probably just take that class because I need to learn how to do a start, beginning, beginning, middle, and end yeah. of a story, yeah. you know? And then the, he writes this thing to us and tells us thing. And I swear, it's, would you do great to bail on your commitments to the people and do this instead? Sure, but you're almost done. Like, you're, you're, yeah. you're the ball is rolling. Just finish it and then do this if you want to. Hmm. Well, I, I will uh, disrupt that that idea, which I like the idea of. Well, I would love it something else because something there's, with it. Yeah. there's a there's something <laughs> that's coming to my mind. One is, um, are you familiar with the author? Uh, I think it was a professor as well named Tim O'Brien. I don't. Know. He won. He was he was a big deal uh, yeah, twenty years familiar, ago. He wrote it. He wrote a book called The Things They Carry, which was kind of a fictionalized memoir of his his time as okay. an infantryman okay. in uh, Vietnam. And he, um, you know, Stevens' thing was like he was a conscious objector, didn't want to go to the war. Actually, tried to leave and go to Canada and like chickened out at the border. Like okay. he, he like cool. had a not because he was afraid of running away. He was afraid of like being dishonorable. And and he fucking went in it and got in it. And but his book, the things they carry, is a collection of short stories, but considered one tome. You know, it's considered mm -hmm. one thing. Cool. And um. And I was kind of want, you know, because my, my, like, my book right now feels kind of like that. It feels like a this. collection of short stories okay. already. And it was reading like that for all the writing group. We were like, yeah. where the fuck's the narrative, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and I, and there's a book, there's a couple of books that come out of my mind. One is the pastures of heaven, which is a kind of a, a not, a not well-known Steinbeck work. And it's, it's like, if you read any of his other books, you'll recognize all these characters and places because it's his yeah. kind of short stories of just kind of creating the world where a lot of the Monterey stuff happens. And and then there's a new, uh, the Pulitzer that came out a couple of years ago. Um, gosh, I can't think. It's a, one about all the trees. It's all a collection of short stories. Yeah, but it's, I get what you're saying. Together, you know? Yeah. There's books out there that are just collections of short stories. Yeah. And yours could be one and fucking do it. Absolutely. That is a great idea, Ron. Hmm. Hmm. I'm serious, man. Because because what he's saying is very true. You practice the start, the middle, and the end. Yeah. And you rep that out. And a way to rep that out really quickly is write short stories. Then you don't have to do a fucking book, even if it's a short book, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that would, you know, I'm just going with my gut here. Sure. And and my experience as a writer, which I've had a pretty decent amount of experience as a writer. And I tell you, man, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in, in, in what you're talking about. And if you don't already have a strong narrative that you're attached to in your book idea yeah. and it, it lends itself and you've basically got 10 to 20 short stories already kind of out there, it's like fucking just start clicking them off. man. Yeah. But then you also have to learn how to write a short story and how are you yeah. going to do that. Yeah. I don't know. Watch a YouTube video. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's not that hard. I get yeah, it. Yeah. You know, you can pick up the yeah. information, but are you into that? what i'm saying i i mean i think it's already happening i i mean there's this thing where where i um i can't i can't help it like it feels sometimes like it's out of control like i will write a thousand to seven thousand words over a a chapter and it always feels like this like really nice little like bink 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 yeah you know like an episode of a show that could stand on its own and i and i've been worried about that because i thought is this too Mm. is too concise and will it fit all together and something but doesn't clear? because the two agents you pitched to were interested in your stuff doesn't it make you nervous to pit to send to them either not send them something because it's not what you pitched or to yeah. send them a short story uh, collection instead of a book um i think i'm so early in on it that i don't really care i mean i'm really I'm, yeah i mean i really like i'm more interested in um i am interested in the long-term ability to craft my skills as a writer and and i want to i want i know that i need like uh like i i signed up for the willamette writers conference not knowing like knowing i wasn't ready and i and i knew it would push me and and i haven't signed up for the san francisco one yet because i've been kind of gauging (laughs) like how far do i get in (laughs) and and yet uh you know i have a goal that basically is like by a certain date in december I want to have 90,000 words and, and I'm, I'm going to hit that goal. Like that's, it's just happening, you know? So then is like, well, do I take those 90,000? You don't have to answer, have the answer for this, but it's like, do I take those 90 and make a book or do I take those 90 and have a bunch of badass short stories that are all loosely connected? I hear you, man. Well, yeah. Hey, one of my favorite things to do is when we have this podcast and we end up the, the podcast itself ends up being the sign and providing the signs. And then we cut that sign in the field dressing, you know, and make decisions about our life. And I'm not saying we're going to make decisions about this right now, but I I think that this conversation between you and I around short stories and around our writing careers, because writing right now for me is one of the few pieces of the puzzle of my life that has not found its shape and how it fits in the rest. And it's, I've been, picking up pieces and putting them in and getting close, you know, and, and shaping it and crafting this, but I haven't really figured out clicks. And 
honestly, I think that I would go on an adventure with you of learning how to write short stories and producing short stories, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I would pick a time frame and we would just agree to it and start doing that. I would be into that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay. I like the idea. I've always kind of been, been into short stories and more than, more than I've let on. More than let I'm on excited sure. about reading them too, because that's another thing I've struggled yeah. with reading is that yeah. it's just the attention span is changing. There's I'm overwhelmed with, with, uh, with uh, information and books and all that stuff. Anyway, yeah. um, it would be nice to have something that was more bite-sized and that we, you and I could share with each other. Yeah. And, you know, here's a book of short stories. Here's, we could jump around genres and I, that sounds fun. That sounds mm. fun. Nice. Nice. Thanks, man. Hey, we've been talking a long time. I got to go. Right, we're out. Uh, this was great. Steve was, was, you know, fireball dynamo. It was so good. <laughs> God damn. So, so good. Rolls, I mean, his, man. Notes, his notes alone. I'm like, I got to make sure this stuff is saved because <laughs> that is good stuff. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. All of Steve's uh, content will be in the show notes and we appreciate you. Yeah. See you next time. Hey, Ron. Yeah. One more question. Yeah. I cut you off when you mentioned your little, me and Steve, when we when you mentioned your picture, did you say what you wanted to say about your picture? I did. You I did? appreciate that. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. Yeah. Love thanks, you. man. Take care. Love you too. Bye -bye.